0: Good morning. Welcome to the Dance to Learn podcast, where I help dance teachers and studio owners dance, learn, and grow right along with your students. In today's episode, I am diving deeper into the discussion of creating an educational, engaging, and enriching preschool dance curriculum with a look into the individual lesson plan. Welcome dance teachers and studio owners. My name is Jessica Strong and I am the host of the Dance to Learn podcast. This is the podcast for dance education and if you are new here, welcome. I hope you find today's episode useful as you continue your journey with creating a preschool dance curriculum that is educational, engaging, and enriching for your students. If you have missed any of the episodes in this series, I encourage you to take a listen to episodes three and four as a continuation of today's topic. So today I am focusing in on the individualized lesson plans and how you can plan each part of your class to ensure that it is educational, which means that your students are learning Engaging, which means your students are listening, responding well, and excited for the class. As well as enriching, which means that your students and families leave class each week excited to come back for more. So why is this important? Well, if you've joined me on my podcast or my YouTube channel, then you've heard me say this before, but I believe that our preschool programs are the backbone of any dance studio. You must nurture your youngest dancers, instill in them the love of dance, and make them fall in love with your studio so they come back year after year after year. Building your studio from the bottom up should begin with your youngest dancers because remember 90% of these dancers and their families will have their first dance studio experience with you. So you want to be sure you are setting yourself apart from the other studios in your area by providing an experience that is educational, engaging, and enriching. Not just for your students, but for their families as well. So let's break down each of the three E's that I refer to. So the first is educational. What makes an educational curriculum? So in the Dance to Learn curriculum, we focus on five pillars of education. These pillars focus on the whole child and their development. So Maria Montessori defines whole child development as an approach that values the human spirit and the development of the whole child, which means their physical, social, emotional, and cognitive development. Dr. Montessori studied not only the physical development of children, but also their intellectual and social development. So we ensure our curriculum here at Dance to Learn grows right along with our students. And so to know what this means, that we need to understand each child and each stage of their development. So our five pillars of education focus on five key stages of childhood development. So that first pillar is discovery. So this focuses on the child's cognitive development. Cognitive development means how children think, explore, and figure things out. It is the development of knowledge, skills, problem-solving, and dispositions which help children to think about and understand the world around them. Brain development is part of cognitive development. We use our monthly themes and 14 dance concepts to really hone in on discovery and improving our students' cognitive development. The second pillar is expression and this focuses on the child's emotional development. So to tap into each student's emotional development we include exercises where students get to express themselves through creation, free dance, or allowing them to supply their own insights and ideas throughout the class. The third pillar is acceptance and acceptance focuses on social development and how the students interact with others throughout the class. It also involves how they interact with their instructors and their environment. Dance is social and therefore teaching our students how to interact with others in and through space with movement is a key part of dance education. The fourth pillar is creation. And like expression, creation taps into each child's individual psyche and allows them to create processes within our classes that allow them to express themselves through movement. And then our final pillar is of course, Movement so movement focuses on our students physical development and we ensure that our classes are progressive and Designed for mastery of movements and that technique is taught This focuses our teaching to ensure that we don't skip important steps in these early years of dance education So once you've focused your attention on your students and how they grow and develop, now you can really focus and hone in on the what or the content that you should include in each and every lesson plan to ensure each part of the whole child is nurtured and engaged. I really dive deep into the educational part of a curriculum in my YouTube video, How to Create a Preschool Dance Curriculum, as well as episode three of the Dance to Learn podcast. So I've linked both of these in the description box if you want to learn more about what and the content that should go into an educational curriculum. Alright, so now we're moving on to the second E of my three E's, which is engagement. And engagement focuses more on the how you teach your preschoolers. And this is probably the most difficult of the three E's to master. Because remember, classroom management is the hardest part of the job. So if you don't know how to teach your preschoolers, It won't matter what you teach them. Your curriculum could be imaginative, creative, fun, and exciting, but if you don't know how to teach it, your class will never be engaged with it. If they aren't engaged, focused, or excited to learn what you are teaching, you won't be successful with this age group. So Engagement really focuses on classroom management and routines that help inspire and motivate your students to listen, follow directions, interact with the instructor, as well as other students in a positive way that progresses the learning experience rather than hindering it. So when thinking about the best way to engage your students, you want to think about rules, routines, transitions, and active listening phrases. So let's start at the beginning. Let's start with rules. So rules are your classroom expectations. How do you expect your students to behave throughout class? It's important that your students know what is expected of them. If they don't know how to behave, they will take liberty in their actions and they will do what they want to do. (laughs) So rules don't have to feel like a burden. You can make them fun when you provide rewards for positive behaviors or congratulate your dancers when they behave in appropriate ways. But be sure your expectations are explained in a way that your preschoolers can understand. Concrete, short, and to the point is easier than explaining rules that are more abstract. Also, asking them to take an action using show-me phrases can help establish your expectations in a positive way. For example, instead of saying, don't run, you can say, show me you know how to have walking feet. The next step is routines. So preschoolers love routines. Have you ever noticed how a young child can watch the same movie repeatedly and never get bored with it? That's because they seek comfort in routine. It makes them feel in control of their surroundings So therefore, setting your classroom up with the same routine each week is going to help your students feel safe and comfortable in your classroom. So in our program, we call our routine the class flow. This is how each part of class flows into the next, and you can almost think of it as a choreographed dance. So while we may teach a different theme or concept each week, which changes the material that we are actually learning, the overall flow of class is the same. So for example, we always begin in our learners circle where we explore our concept. Next, we stretch and warm up our muscles. Then we stand and explore stationary movements in our self space. After that, we transition to traveling movements across the floor as we develop our skills. Next, we combine those skills together as we do an obstacle course. And then we finish class with a free dance activity or we learn choreography for a showcase. And then we always end our class with a sticker on our sticker charts. So now let's talk about transitions. So transition, this is where I believe we instructors fail and we forget to think about how we move from one activity to the next smoothly. So you, if you have moments throughout your class where you are constantly reminding your students to maybe sit on a spot or wait their turn or use quiet mouths, you may have forgotten about your transitions. So a few key transitional moments in a dance class that you don't want to forget. So the first one, entering your classroom. Think about how should students enter the classroom. It doesn't seem that important until you find your class running around the classroom for 20 minutes before you can get them settled on a spot so you can begin your stretches. Create a fun routine as they enter the classroom. Maybe they curtsy and then have to show you a dance move like an arabesque. Then they tiptoe walk to their spot. Maybe you take a minute at the beginning of each class to ask each dancer as they come in to tell you something fun they did that week, so they spend less time talking at the start of class. Maybe you create a fun prop distribution game, where as they enter, they must pick a prop and then sit quietly with their prop until everyone arrives. The next transition to think about is spots. Do you find your class has a hard time keeping spatial distance among themselves? Even before social distancing was a requirement, kids as old as 8 can have a hard time understanding space and leaving a proper amount of space between themselves and other dancers. So therefore, you may want to consider using some type of spot to mark where students should position themselves in the classroom polydots, tapes, stickers, whatever you use, be sure that your students know what the spots are for and what they are expected to do on the spots. So for example, should they be wearing their polydots on their head or should they be sitting on their polydots? The next is moving the troops. So explaining to your dancers what they should do when it's time to move is really important. If you say, okay kids, let's go across the floor, and they just stand up and run around the room for a couple minutes before lining up, that can not only appear chaotic, but it can also take a good amount of time out of your lesson plan as you corral everyone. So it's better to explain to them your expectations, and I can give you an example. So my favorite transition is in my ballet tap combo classes. I can have up to 30 little tap shoes at one time in my weekly ballet tap classes. So the last thing I want is for everyone to be running, stomping, jumping, and tapping those shoes while I'm trying to keep them quiet afterwards so we can move on to the next thing. So instead, I've created a fun transitional game, and I call it Catch the Magic Fairies. And this is how it works we have a magic wall where all the magic fairies live. And we don't want to run because if we run, we're gonna scare away all of our magic fairies. And we don't want to be loud because then we're also gonna scare them away. So instead, what we do, we all stand up, we, we put on our tiptoes, and we quietly tiptoe walk to the wall nice and slow. And when we get there, we all reach up high, catch a magic fairy, sit with the magic fairy in our pocket, crisscross applesauce with our hands in our laps. And honestly, it works wonders. So now that they're there, how do I get them to wait turns? So how, how do you teach your dancers to wait their turn? So using the same magic fairy example, I explain that now they need to keep their magic fairies in their pockets until it's their turn. If they move too soon, their magic fairy flies away, and then they have to catch a new one. So I've also used a fun magic super glue trick. I give each dancer some pretend super glue of their color choice, and then they rub that glue all over their hands. They get it on their backs, their legs, whatever body part they need to stick (laughs) to. Maybe it's the wall or the floor. And then they're glued. They're stuck. They're stuck there until it's their turn. So now that you have some ideas on where to think about transitions, now you wanna think about the last area, which is engagement. So engagement is using active listening phrases that require your students to take action when they lose focus. So to keep your students engaged and focused on you, you may find moments throughout class where they forget what they should be doing, and so you need to call attention back to you. Using phrases that require action, like a call and response technique, can be great for this age group. In fact, I just shared a YouTube video this week, which I linked in the description box for you, with 25 call and response phrases that I have used in my classes that encourage active listening. You can also download a printable with all 25 phrases to keep on hand. So I've found that asking my students to take action for their behaviors rather than just telling them what to do really helps keep them engaged and focused on me throughout the class. So, for example, instead of saying, hey, (laughs) let's be quiet, I will say, hey, let's lock up our mouths and throw away the key. And then, of course, we all do the subsequent hand motions. Another favorite is quick, copy me. When I see a child who may be doing their own interpretive dance rather than the one I would like them to be learning, I just remind them that they should be copying Miss Jessica. So if you want to learn more about active listening phrases, check out that video and printable. All right, so my last my last topic today and the last of, of my three E's is enrichment. So what is enrichment. And how can we apply enrichment into each and every lesson plan? So the definition of enrichment is the action of improving or enhancing the quality or value of something. So how can we make each and every lesson plan more valuable? So these are the little moments that make your dancers keep coming back for more each and every week. We want to brighten their day with dance and be sure that they sign up for dance over gymnastics or soccer. So in our program, we do this with our Dance to Learn at Home with Me program. And this is a free service that we provide to all of our classes and is a way to engage the parents of our students so they can actively be involved with their child's learning each week. So what we do is we send a weekly email with a rundown of what we are learning. We include photos and videos taken from within the class so the parents can actually see what their child is learning. And remember, they don't always get an opportunity to watch each week. So allowing them a peek inside the classroom is going to go a long way for them, especially right now with coronavirus restrictions in play for many studios. And then the last item we include in our weekly email is a game or activity that the family can play with their child outside of class. So research has shown that children are more likely to retain what they are learning when parents continue the learning process at home. So creating a family engagement program that involves your families in their child's dance education is just going to be that cherry on top of your preschool program. So thank you guys for listening to my podcast today. If you enjoy this podcast, I encourage you to subscribe. Also, please leave the podcast a five-star review and you could receive a shout out on my next episode. Also new and exciting, all new five-star reviews will be entered into a drawing each week to win a $10 Amazon gift card. So till the next podcast, Podcast. I hope you continue to dance, learn, and grow. Bye.